Great. Well, good morning to you this morning. Thanks so much, uh, Raf and Doris, for leading us this morning, and Kieran and Lisa. I hope you're doing well. So here's the exciting thing. This is live. So anything could happen. Nobody's going to trim me or edit me or touch up my appearance or anything like that today. So you're, you're stuck with me as I am. But the great thing is, is this, that God is going to meet with us in this moment. Over this next 20 minutes or so, God is going to meet with you and me and, and set us free with the truth of his word. He's going to meet with us by the power of his Holy Spirit, and he's going to change lives. So if you're needing change in your life today, we're in a good place right now as we come to the word of God. So we're starting this new series today, as Raf just said, called Guard Your Heart. And I don't know about you, but this has been a very emotional season over this last few months as we've navigated this pandemic together. And you don't need me to tell you that. This has been an emotionally anxious season for many, or an emotionally angry season for some, or a confusing season for others. You just, have you noticed when you go to the shops these days, it's just no fun anymore? <laughs> that you, you know, you're constantly trying to read whether people are, are, are kind of cross with you, or if they're in the way of you, can you overtake, can't you overtake, all those things, it's just a nightmare. And here's the wonderful thing, that God can help us in seasons of heightened emotions and heightened emotions are of course caused by heightened stress and in the olden days we used to talk about the big causes of stress being perhaps your job or a failing relationship or a major health issue for you or a loved one or money issues or social media anxiety or, or diet or lack of sleep I was listening to something by Dr. Henry Cloud who's a Christian psychologist and he said as well as those things, now we've got these four things that every human being needs to thrive, which have all been jeopardized by COVID. And he said the first of those is connection with people. The second of those is structures and routines. The third of those is feeling sense of control over the decisions you're making day to day, rather than having somebody, government or whoever, telling you what you need to do every day. And fourthly, that sense of you being able to add value in the world. One, two, three, four, all of those perhaps gone for a season. And learning to rediscover those things is a challenge. So when we find ourselves overstressed outside of our normal management levels for stress and all of those different for different ones of us, I think it's a bit like when you get in the car and I've got climate control in my car. And you know what? When the climate control is set between 20 and 21 degrees, the world is fine. The world is happy. The family is happy. You crank it up to 25, then suddenly everybody starts thumping each other. And the windows get open. And then people take dislike to the music that's on because suddenly we're outside of that normal zone. So when we get outside of our normal stress zones, that's when heightened emotions happen, whether they're anxiety or anger or frustration or loss of confidence or just lethargy. So today we're going to navigate the first one of these. We're, I'm calling this message, Help When I Feel Anxious. So perhaps it starts with this admission today that you and I get anxious, whether we admit it or not. Perhaps you're not a very anxious person. Perhaps you do tend towards anxiety. For some people, their lives can be so controlled by anxiety, you might call it a disorder. That's not particularly what I'm talking about today, but I would really want to encourage you, if that's your situation, 
today and help hopefully help you with the words of this message but and and certainly encourage you to receive expertise and help from professionals as well but today i'm talking about this good old-fashioned thing called worry and anxiety that we're all experiencing right now and i wonder if you'll admit to it psalm 139 king david one of the greatest kings said search me god and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts Maybe you just want to say that to God right now. Lord, why don't you just see if there's some anxiety in me today that I need to sort out? And he'll help you with that. So, as we get into this subject today, if you were to turn to any scripture in the Bible that's going to help you with this, it would probably be Philippians 4, verses 4 to 8. And we've got some of the children and youth of King's Church who are going to read these verses to us. And then I'm going to take some points from them today. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. 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 Rejoice. 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 <laughs> uh, shall I say it again? Rejoice. No, we won't say it again. Well, because we've said it so many times. But here's what you can't help but see when you read that scripture. And I want to encourage you to read that scripture again and again this week. If you're battling worry and anxiety, you might want to memorize it. But here's the, the center point of those verses. It's the peace of God. Do you know there's something much, much better than anxiety and fear and worry and it's this thing called peace and that's what is available today for for us for you it's available to help us battle anxiety and worry in fact did you notice he says it's the peace that transcends all understanding wow it's illogical. Do you hear what he's saying about it? It's not a logical piece that can be experienced. It's something that just goes way beyond what the situation would demand. How do you know when somebody is living in the peace of God? It's this, that when you look at them and you look at all of the things they've got on their plates and all the things they're trying to cope with, and you see something about them that is just at peace. In fact, when you say at peace, you can probably throw in all of the other fruits of the Holy Spirit as well, because they're all part of the same manifestation of the spirit which is love joy peace peace patience kindness self-control gentleness all of these things go alongside peace and this is what a peace-filled life looks like and it's incredible it's amazing that's what's on offer today for you and for me sometimes people say well you know when my worries subside then i'll enjoy some peace maybe you find yourself saying that when, when once this covid nonsense all calms down a bit i'm looking forward to the peace that's going to come 
don't wait for that because this piece is available now. And um, th- there's, a, uh, th- there's a piece that defeats anxiety. It says, let it guard your heart. And it's, the word there is like a military guard. And um, it, it means to, to have your peace, uh, to have peace like protecting you from anxiety that would try and get in. The, the message version of these verses says, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That's what it is to be a Christian. It's to allow Christ to to, to be the Lord of your life, to come into your life, to forgive your sins, to give you peace with God and peace deep within your being. If you've not experienced that before, you'd like to know more about that, I'd love to invite you to something we're doing in a couple of weeks' time, a week on Monday called the Alpha Course. And it's just a place where you can come and ask your questions. and, And we've got some friends at King's who are just happy to spend a bit of time just sharing their experience of Christianity, answering those questions, you'd be really warmly invited along to that. 7.30 a week on Monday, and there'll be some information how you can join up in the, in the chat. But perhaps you are a Christian today, and you're just feeling a little bit devoid, a bit robbed of joy right now, and a bit jo- uh, robbed of peace. And I've got three things I want to draw out of these verses that will help you today as to how we battle to regain peace in our lives. Firstly, we refuse to worry about anything. Secondly, we talk to God about everything. And thirdly, we live in a place of thanksgiving. So let's look at these in turn. Firstly, we're to refuse to worry about anything. Did you read it in verse six? It says, do not be anxious about anything. Now that's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? If I said to you, do you worry about everything? I think most of us would say, no, I don't worry about everything. I worry about some things. But the Greek word for anything, it literally means nothing, no thing, nothing. And here's God's plan for your life, that you don't worry about anything. And there's no exceptions. That's to say there's no thing that is worthy of your worry. In fact, it's unhealthy to worry. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says anxiety weighs down the heart. It it weighs you down. In fact, by contrast, Proverbs 14.30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body. So your very state of emotion is, is dependent on having your heart weighed down, about having anxiety, about having peace. Now, you might think, well, it's not terribly helpful just to tell somebody who's worried not to worry. <laughs> Was that what you're thinking? Well, the good news is Jesus unpacks this for us in Matthew chapter 6. And he, he does it on the Sermon on the Mount. He talks all about worry in verses 25 onwards. And Rick Warren, who's a, a Bible teacher, commenting on these verses. In fact, I've borrowed a lot of material from him in this talk today. Uh, He says four things that Jesus teaches about worry in those verses. Jesus says that worry is unreasonable, it's unnatural, it's unhelpful, and it's unnecessary. Did you get all of those? Unreasonable, unnatural, unhelpful, and unnecessary. Firstly, it's unreasonable. It's illogical. Jesus said in verse 27, can 
any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life. Here's the thing about worrying. It doesn't make sense. People say a problem shared is a problem halved. And that's probably true. But you know, a problem worried about is a problem multiplied. Have you ever found that when you've started worrying about something, it gets bigger than it really should be? It gets worse than it really should be. And then you have to sort of remember it's not the problem that it was. Worry doesn't help. It's illogical. Here's another thought about worry. You see, if there's something going on in life that can't be changed, it doesn't make sense to worry about it because you can't do anything about it. And if it is something that can be changed and you can do something about it, it makes no sense to worry about it because you might as well do something about it rather than worry about it. Friends, I, I know for many of us, we live in such a connected world these days. We're aware of what's going on all around the world. And we can be watching news feeds and, and we feel so connected and we can feel anxious and worried about things that, let's be honest, we have no control over at all. When we talk about guarding our heart, what it means is this, that we don't find ourselves worrying about stuff that we really can't do anything about, but we trust God with those things. It's unreasonable. It's unnatural. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. He then went on to say, look at the, the lilies of the field. Look how beautifully dressed they are, and you're worried about your clothes. Here's the point he's making. He says, all of creation intrinsically trusts its creator, except for human beings. We're the ones who don't seem to want to trust God. Have you ever noticed, when you want to de-stress, you might want to go and walk in the wildlife and in the, by the sea. I did this on holiday a couple of weeks ago. I walked by the sea. It was, it was beautiful. We, we found a seal colony. And I went there every day because it was just reassuring for me to see these big, fat seals sitting on rocks, just enjoying themselves. You know, we see that in all of creation. Birds don't get stressed out. Seals don't get stressed out. Daffodils don't get stressed out. And Jesus doesn't care about them as much as he cares about you because he's your father. That's what Jesus teaches. You know, worry implies that we just don't trust God is big enough. Rick Warren said, worry is practical atheism. But he says, yeah, worry is unhelpful. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Corrie Ten Boom says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it empties today of its strength. And it's unnecessary. We don't, we don't need to worry because we have a father who loves us and has promised to meet all of our needs. So that's the first thing, that worry is a choice. And we need to choose whether we're going to worry and be anxious or whether we choose to refuse that by allowing the peace of God to rule in our hearts. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 gives this instruction, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on him, on Jesus, because he cares for you. That, that word cast is only used twice in the New Testament. Once here in, in the Greek, the other time is when the disciples took off their coats, their jackets, and they threw them 
on the back of a donkey to allow Jesus to ride the donkey into Jerusalem in what's known as the triumphal entry where they hailed Jesus as king 2,000 years ago. There's two options we can do with our worries. One is to put them on as a coat, as a jacket, to parade them around, to make them part of our personality, part of our disposition. And we can compare coats with one another and we can say, nice coat, nice worries. What what are you worrying about today? The other thing we can do is this. We can take our coats off, we can give them to Jesus and find that he actually likes taking them away. He triumphs over them. Jesus is the king of all of our worries. He's strong enough. A few months ago, we had some building work done in in our church building. There was a massive steel beam delivered outside the church. And I I was walking past it and um, I thought, I just want to see how heavy it is. And I I wanted to see if I could lift it. And uh, to, to my great surprise, I couldn't even lift it a centimeter off the pavement. It was so heavy. And I started imagining, how are they going to lift this into position? Are they going to hire cranes? Are they going to get the special lifting equipment? What are they going to do? And then just a couple of days later, I noticed four really strong guys built like the Incredibles, just were just kind of carrying it along the street on their shoulders like it was just normal. Jesus is strong enough to carry our worries. So that's the first thing. Choose not to worry. Make that choice. Make that decision. Secondly, talk to God about everything. It says in the verse, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Simple. We choose not to worry And we ask God for help. Our job is to ask. We've heard a lot about PPE in recent months, haven't we? I wonder if you've heard of PPP. In this verse, you read about praying, petitioning, and presenting. You know, in a Bible verse, when when the same thing gets said three times in quick succession with different words, it's to draw emphasis to say, this is how we're to respond. Pray, petition, present your request to God, knowing that he's able to answer. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you don't have because you don't ask. If we ask, we receive. Do you know your biggest problems compared with the strength of God are tiny? Have a look at Romans chapter 8 verse 32. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? How do I know and how do you know that God is going to help with the stuff that you're worried about? Because that verse says he's already taken action to deal with your greatest problem and your greatest worry and your greatest need. See, all of us were were born out of sync with God, out of relationship with him, unable to please him, in sin. And God, without us even asking, he chose to solve that problem by sending Jesus into the world to take our sin. Now, if he's done that, let me ask you, Is he really not going to help you with your finances? 
Is he really not going to help you with your health? Is he really not going to help you with that relationship difficulty or with loneliness or whatever the challenge that you're worried about right now? The answer is, of course he's going to help. Of course he is. Ask and it will be given. Here's the third and final thing from these verses. We're to live in thanksgiving. So right in the middle of that verse we just read, it said, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Here's such a vital thing. If we're to retain joy and retain peace in our lives, we learn to be thankful all of the time in every situation. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to know how to respond right now when life's challenging, or if life's challenging, or even if it's not, the answer is always this, according to that verse. Always give thanks. Develop the attitude of gratitude. Now, because we're emotional people, we tend to think of life as a roller coaster of highs and lows, of mountains and valleys. Actually, when you really analyze life, what you find is that there's often multiple things going on at the same time. And actually, it's joy that sometimes diminishes sorrow. And sometimes if we're in heightened sorrow, it diminishes joy. But here's what being thankful means. It means that when we feel sorrow and when we feel anxiety, it means we look at other things that are happening in our life and other things that are happening in the world, and we begin to articulate thanksgiving to God for all he is doing. And I bet you, I bet you right now, you could reel off dozens of things that you could thank God for that are actually going really well in your life compared with what they could. Get things in correct proportion. Be a thankful person. And how do you become a more thankful person? Well, it tells us in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Keep your mind and your heart open to every blessing that God gives. All of those things. Let me give you a, a, a clue, right? If you spend all of your days scrolling through news feeds, you won't find most of those things any of the time. You'll find plenty of things to make you more anxious. If you're going to check the news, I'd say just do it once a day. Nothing really changes that fast. But do this. Focus on what is noble, whatever's right, whatever's true, what's pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about these things. Think about the good stuff. And ultimately, all of that good stuff points to the person of Jesus, who is all of those things. Fill your mind with who he is. Corrie Ten Boom, who was in a concentration camp in, in World War II, having rescued many, many uh, Jewish people from gas chambers in her life before that. She said this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Where do you find peace? It's in him looking at him. Take the time to be with him today. Thanksgiving 
leads to contentment. In fact, if we were to go a few verses after the ones we've just read, it says in Philippians 4 verse 11, the Apostle Paul, he says, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Here's the thing about worry and anxiety. Nobody's a born worrier. Out of the many babies I've seen, none of them seem to be worried. That means worry is a learnt behaviour. And the good news about learnt behaviours is they can be unlearned. And the good news about contentment is this. If you don't feel very content, contentment can be learned. See, anxiety produces discontentment. Let me just go back to those points that I mentioned that Henry Cloud talked about in the pandemic, things that we've lost. Connection, structures, control over our decisions, and uh, adding value to others in the world. Let me ask you today, I think your joy and your peace can be rediscovered today if in those four simple areas you start to take some affirmative action, you start to take some control, you start to make some new connections. I know at this point in the pandemic, everything in you wants to say, well, just give up and let's just wait for something to change. Never give up. Never give up. Uh, Dave Holden preached a couple of weeks ago brilliantly on, on digging in to, to fellowship, into, into relationship with other believers. And we were just trying to put that into practice. In fact, Julie said to me last, my wife said to me a couple of weeks ago, last Saturday, she said, you know what? She said, we should have some people around tomorrow for church. She said, because you get so grumpy when we don't see people on a Sunday. And I thought, yeah, guilty as charged. I do get grumpy when I don't see people. And so we invited some people after the live stream and we had lunch together and we had coffee together. I've got to say it was one of the most exciting, wonderful days of the whole month. And we spontaneously broke bread together and had wine together, just like we did today, but we did it in person, just around the table outside. And it was brilliant. Now, if I spent all my time obsessing about, well, when's it going to be that we can have 250 people worshipping together in a church building? I'd have allowed that to make me discontent. But when I'm grateful... And I thank God for what's, he's able, what I'm able to do in the now. And I make the use of the opportunities he gives. He can make us thankful, grateful, contented people. So let me ask you today, what are you going to do to lean into contentment? What relationships are you going to lean into? What structures and disciplines? What decisions could you make this week? And how could you add value into somebody's life? And share the peace of God that he's giving to you. We're going to uh, sing together in, in just a moment. And we're just going to sing of the, the peace of God. We're going to sing of the stillness that God brings into our life through Jesus. And it could be you just want to respond by listening to this. You might want to sing along. I just want to pray for you right now that God will give you peace and if you don't know him yet I just want to pray that you'll receive his peace right now and you'll ask and you'll experience it so let's pray dear Lord you know what we're like 
There's no hiding from you. Forgive us where we don't trust you. Thank you, you're a good father who has promised to meet all of our needs. So therefore, we have nothing to worry about. And I pray for brothers and sisters who are watching who feel anxious today. Oh, peace of God, come and fill them now. Come and be the God of their heart. Help us to be anxious about nothing. Help us to call on you and find help when we need. Help us to be thankful people who find contentment in you. 